0: Well, good morning again. So good to see you guys. I don't know if this is a way to describe you. I don't know if you're like this or not, but sometimes in life, I just need a good pep talk. You guys need one sometimes? Sometimes I just need a good pep talk. You know, maybe maybe it's like you're about to walk in for that interview and you just, you know, you got to like get yourself going a little bit. Or maybe you're about to ask that girl out on a date. You know what I'm saying? Or are you about to tell that guy that you love him for the first time? Sometimes you just need a good pep talk. There was a time that I needed a good pep talk. I went to Texas Tech University uh, for my undergrad uh, down in Lubbock, Texas. And one summer, I had an opportunity to go to Oregon for a mission trip. Now, Oregon is one of my favorite places in the country, it's just gorgeous. In the state of Oregon, I mean, you, you've got the mountains in the background, you know, and we flew into Portland and drove through the mountains. It was really, really pretty. and, and then you get to like Central Oregon. and Central Oregon kind of looks like this. It's like grasslands and trees and little lakes here and there. It's just just a beautiful place to go. And so for this mission trip. There was six or eight of us that went, and we had the opportunity to go to Central Oregon, a little town named Terrebonne, Oregon, and we were serving a church in that area that had some needs. Now, one of the things that we got to do, this is sort of the the local kind of touristy thing to do, is there's this one particular lake that you can go see, and it's down deep in like a gorge, right? So the gorge was there, and then over the years, like, water had filled this gorge up, and this beautiful lake is there. Now, one of the things that you can do if you choose to— Is there's a platform right off of a bridge that you drive over, and if you're brave enough, you can jump off of this platform into the water below. Now, you guys need to know this about me I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. So, like, I'm the kind of guy that would rather be on a ladder than not on a ladder. Like, When we go to the fair, I'm always the one that's like, I want to ride the craziest ride. I want to be thrown around it upside down. And I'm like cackling the whole time, right? Like that's just me. I just love the adrenaline and the rush and all of this fun stuff. And so like this is totally my kind of thing, man. Like getting to go and and jump off this bridge into a huge lake below. And so we... We decide to go, and we get there, and and we park the van, and then we we make our way across this bridge and down onto the platform. Now, just to give you a feel, this platform was no slouch. Like, I've jumped off some high things before. That probably explains a few things, if you know me, right? But, like, this is no slouch. This is no small amount of distance. Like, just to give you an idea, this platform was, like, four feet below the, the bridge level, If you get caught jumping off of the bridge, mind you, just four feet higher, you can be arrested for attempted suicide. Right? So for all the kids in the room, this is a really terrible idea. I never told you to do this, so don't tell your parents it's a good idea because the pastor said so. Right? And so we get there. We make our way down, and me, this adrenaline junkie, like, really feeling it. There's, like, three of us that are willing to do this, right? The rest of us, everybody else is chicken, right? But we're like, we're going to do this. So I get to the edge, and you look over, and in that moment, I'm like, wow, that's a long way down there. (laughs) And I had to give myself a little pep talk. Like, there's no way once you're up there that you can, like, not get down by any other means other than jumping. So you know you're going to do it, but you're like, oh, man, I don't know about this no, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, Ah! you know, you're screaming for like 12 seconds as you're falling helplessly into the water below, right? Sometimes we just need a pep talk, don't we? Well, today, the text that we're looking at is probably best described as a pep talk. Now, that's not to minimize the message in it, but it's got this really rich, beautiful message to It that truly is, in its essence, a get you revved up, get you excited, make you feel like you can attack your day type of text. And it's in the book of Psalms, and it's chapter 16. Today we're continuing in our series called Deep Longings. In Deep Longings, we're exploring this fantastic book of Psalms. Uh, we started it three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, I guess, uh, with Psalm chapter 1. And then last week we were in Psalm chapter 3. And last week we worked through this idea of betrayal. This, this psalm was written around King David who was betrayed by his own son. And this message was so heavy for us and so hard. But I, I love that about the psalms, that it's not like candy-coated, simple, like don't worry about it kind of message. Like there's some heaviness to the book of psalms. And I love that piece of it because we can be honest and raw like King David was last week. And yet at the same time, God shows up in the book of Psalms. And we found last week that when we put our trust in God, when we choose to follow him, he will rescue us. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be free of hard times. That doesn't mean that you don't get the diagnosis. That doesn't mean that your kids all of a sudden turn perfect. If anybody's got a recipe for that, I'd love to hear it. But it means that God's with you. It means that God's gonna rescue you and He's gonna be there. And today, we're exploring this great psalm, Psalm chapter 16. Now, a couple things about Psalm 16 before we dig in. First and foremost, it is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. I absolutely love its message, and as we get into it, I hope that God stirs your affection for it as well. But the second is, I'm going to give you your challenge for the day ahead of time. I don't usually do this. Usually I wait until the end and try to sucker punch you with it, but I'm going to give it to you early because it's a little bit of a heavier challenge. My challenge for you today is to commit to memory this entire chapter. I think it's that good. And I hope that as we explore it together, you see why I think it's that good. And I hope that you would get to a place where you're willing to also commit this text to your memory. And so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? We're going to be in Psalm chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to grab them from a purple chair around you. If you have one of those, it's on page 437. 437. I'm going to pray really quickly as you're turning, and then we're going to dive right in. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Thank you so much for this, this book of Psalms and, and the, the richness that you have for us in it. God, I just ask that you'd be here with us today. Lord, that you would speak to us where we're at. You know, some of us are going through some really hard stuff right now. Some of us are going, going through really great stuff right now. And, and for many of us, it's just kind of a normal day. And so I pray that wherever we're at, Lord, that you would meet us, that you would be powerfully praised in our time. We love you. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. We're going to read the entire text together all in one fatal swoop. May not be the right way to describe it, all at one time. Verse 1 Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, They are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take their names on my lips. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You, have made known to, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So as I mentioned before, this psalm, I believe at its root level, is a pep talk. And it kind of has that feel to it, right? I mean, at the beginning, you have sort of this God help me nature, and it builds to this beautiful, Ending. Now, the way that it's organized is in four sections. And so what we're going to do is we're going to tear apart each section and talk about it and explain it. But the nature of the psalm is such that each section kind of builds on the others. And so we're going to address that as well in our time today. So let's look at the first section, which is a plea. It's an ask of God. It's found in verse 1. Verse 1 again says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take Refuge. So this particular psalm was written, as I mentioned a minute ago, by a man named King David. King David, maybe more than most people in the Bible, had a real reason for God to to ask God to rescue him, to save him. King David was called by God to be this great man, to be this great leader of the nation of Israel. But God did not call him to an easy life. In fact, I think that that's something that we often overlook. We think, oh man, like, God, if you're going to call me to something, then you're going to equip me, you're going to give me the tools to do it, but it's going to be easy. Like, it's going to just fit. It's going to be simple, but it never, ever, ever works out that way. You see, part of the way that God works is that he works through the difficulty. He works through the hardship. He refines us as a refiner does with precious metals. And you don't get a refined piece of gold unless it's hot. And so David, in this way, he experienced a lot of that heat in his life. David, as a young boy, had to face off against a giant man-killing machine named Goliath. It was nine and a half foot tall, which just for perspective, this is like 28 inches and I'm six feet. This guy would be as tall as me. I'd be looking at him square in the eyes if he was in here. Like he's a big dude. Scars all over him, maybe one eye poked out, you know, doesn't really talk very good English. Like, that's how I imagine him, right? Bench press a house, like just beefcake, you know? And as a teenager, God put him up against Goliath. Later on in life, David was told he was going to be the king. In fact, he was anointed as the king ahead of time before Saul, the present king, was dethroned. But the thing is, is Saul, he was super nervous and super weirded out by the idea that he wasn't going to be king or someone from his line wasn't going to be king. So he tried to kill David. He chased him all over the place and tried to kill him over and over and over and over again. This guy, David, had reason to rely on God for safety. I think there's another interesting principle in here. That's this idea that we're never really made to do this thing called life alone. Like, I think we get this concept in our culture like, oh, you should be the Lone Ranger. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, you don't need no man. Like, you don't need anybody to help you. But that's not at all the way it works. Now, I... Speaking specifically to the dudes out here, to the men, right, I want to address you particularly. Like, I understand that culture puts pressure on us as men to be strong, to do it ourselves. We don't need anybody else, but that's just not the way that it works. It's not a sign of masculinity to do it on your own. In fact, a sign of real masculinity is depending on God. And David illustrates this principle for us. There's nobody in scripture that I would point to and say, that guy's a man's man more than King David. And yet, right here, in the very first verse, he's saying, God, help me. I cannot do this on my own. I need you, God. Be there for me. Rescue me. Save me, Lord. This is the first section in this text. A raw, honest plea. God, I need you. Then we move to the second part. It's found in verses 2 through 4, and it's this idea of a commitment to God. Let's read the text together. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take their name on my lips. The idea here that I love so much is that David, he is recommitting himself back to his affection and his desires to follow God's way. He's saying, God, I know that this hard thing's right in front of me, but I will choose to follow you. And he says three things in here. The first thing he says is, no good thing comes into my life except through you. And that's such a beautiful example of humility, right? This idea that God is above, that God is the giver of all good things, and that we as human beings, we are below him. And so like that really great meal that you're like, man, that was really good. Lasagna maybe, whatever it might be. Like that's good because God made it good. That new car that you bought, like it's good because God made it good. Or or your health, it's good because God made it good. Not because you did something great. And I love that heart posture in David that he says, God, anything that I have that's good is because of you. It's because of what you're about, not because of what I'm about. I love this essence of humility. Humility verse 3, he's talking about delighting in God's people. I think sometimes, I know I have been guilty of this in my past. There was a lady I used to work with a long time ago, and she was an on-fire follower of Jesus. She loved Jesus like crazy. But in my work environment, that made her a little bit strange. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes those people that you're just like, it just might be a little too much. You know what I mean? Like sometimes that happens. What David is saying here is that those are the types of people that he delights in. And I got to be real, man. In some of those moments, I was like, yeah, I think I might take a little wider walk around so I don't really, you know, have to talk to her. Ah, that's terrible. I can't believe I'm saying that. But it's true, right? I might not be the only one in the room that's done that. But that's not what David says. He says, my delight more than any other person more than any other type of person, is in God's people. There's this commitment, I will be dedicated to God's people. And then in verse 4, those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take their name on my lips. That's this idea of, of worshiping other gods, giving them what it is that they need, feeding them. This idea of a libation of blood is is this this image of like a sacrificial system which was common in David's day. That you would pour out blood, you would make an animal sacrifice toward a God of some kind. The best way I can think about that maybe in our own context is by by giving our attention or our time to something that we just know isn't good for us, you know? Like I'm a movie guy. I love shows and movies and stories. and, And there's so many things about... You know, things like Netflix that I love, but there's so much garbage on places like Netflix. And how many times we watch that show and we're like, you know, the show's generally pretty good, but then there's that, like, one illicit sexual moment. Or there's, like, that that wanton, like, violence that just has no purpose. And yet we're like, no, 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 no. No, society says it's okay because that's just the director's artistic flair or whatever, right? And we compromise ourselves. And David, he's saying, No, 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 I'm not about that. I'm committed to you, God. And even though I'm scared, you can hear the fear in his lips from verse one. Even though I need you, I'm willing to commit myself to you and to you alone. The second part of our text is this commitment. Let's keep going. The third part is this idea of remembrance, of remembering what God has done. Verses 5 and 6. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. What David's saying here is, God, you have given me so much. I remember what you've given me. I reflect on the fact that my life is good, is full, is rich, is where it is today because you have done good things. How beautiful is that! I love this imagery of a portion in a cup. The idea here is like you sit down at a banquet and you you have a particular portion of food that's given to you. And David's saying, the only thing that's going to fill my hunger is you, God. The only thing that keeps me from being thirsty is you. And time and time and time and time again, it has only ever been you. And remembrance, it has such an important element to our formation as followers of Jesus and part of the reason is because when we remember what God's done it builds our faith it it encourages us it makes us stronger it makes us tougher I'll give you an example so Amanda and I my wife we have a friend whose name is Dee and she lives down in Texas and Dee's daughter was one of my wife's closest friends in high school and tragically, she was in a car accident that claimed her life their senior year. And losing a child is beyond anything anyone should ever have to experience. But D, for her, it completely consumed her life. Her grief has captured her for almost two decades. And even... Up to this day, she still struggles so deeply with it that it cripples her. She can't get past it. She can't get past the the painkillers and the alcohol, and, and she can't get through these things. About 10 years ago, Amanda and I were in an airport, and we were flying somewhere, and we happened to see her husband, Jay, completely out of the blue. We went, and she introduced me because I'd never met him, And we started a conversation that ended up being a relationship that's been going on for ten years. My wife in particular, she has poured into D more than you can imagine. I mean, praying and talking three, four, five times a week and, and trying to speak truth, like, get out of this grief. You don't need to live here any longer. And only recently, finally, after 10 years, there's the beginnings of some turning. Now, here's the thing 10 years of work, if you don't remember the times that God comes through for you before that, you'd fizzle out. I know I would. And how disappointing would it be if after this great victory that God is beginning in Dee's life, we were to forget that. For all of us, as God uses us, as we see him on the move, we need to remember what he's doing, right? God's doing great stuff in your life, in my life, in big ways, in little ways, in the screaming and in the whisper. This is really where this text turns in my mind. I think that this text was written by David late in life. I think it was written as he was confronting the reality of his own death. And what could be more horrifying than that? That someday, we're gonna breathe our last breath. And I think David late in his life, wrote this text. And it was remembering what God has done for him that made the difference, that turned it for him. So important that we remember what God has done. Let's keep going. The last part, the beautiful part, the consummation of all of this, is David's confidence in God. You see, that's the natural progression. You start with a plea. You start with the pain. You start with the anguish. You start with the fear. You start with the mundane. And then you go into commitment. God, in the pain, I'm still going to follow you. And then you get to the remembrance where it turns for you. Where you say, yeah, you know what? You're right. God's been there for me when I needed him. You're right, he never left me alone. All of the hard times were worth it because he was there. And then comes the confidence. Let's read this together. I love this. Love it. Verse 7. I will praise the Lord. I, I, I just love how like focused that is. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. I will praise the Lord. There's no guesswork in there. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him in my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Because of the fact that I am choosing to follow God, because of What he has shown me because I am confident in him. This is what happens. My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Oh man, there's nothing better in the midst of pain and agony and hardship than rest, is there? Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is just this triumphant expression of David's unfettered confidence in God. To have this level of confidence facing, I believe, David facing his death. I mean, verse 10, it says this. It says, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. And yet, David's like, no, I trust you, God. When I breathe my last, I'm going to see you. When my heart starts, stops pumping, I'm going to see you. You're not going to abandon me. You're not going to forsake me. You're not going to leave me alone because you never have. And what a beautiful truth that is for us. I hope that you can see a little bit of why it is such a powerful truth this text is and why I think it's such a great thing for us to commit to memory. Because you know what? Like, man, you're, you're in one of three places right now. I Well, I'm guessing. You're in one of three places right now. Either life's really hard right now for you and something's going on, and I don't know what that is. Maybe, like, you have a spouse in the hospital. Maybe you're, you, know, you just got a diagnosis last week that you've got cancer and you got... X number of months to live, or maybe like your kids are just crazy. Maybe your marriage is on, a, on the rocks. I mean, that's legit, right? Maybe you're in that spot where life is just kicking you in the shorts, right? Either that or you're in a situation where life's really good right now. But you know what? The good times in life, as great as they are, they're because God gave them to you. This text, what I love about it is it focuses you there says, God, every good thing comes from you. Let me turn my self-worship into God-worship. Either that or you're at the peanut butter and jelly of life, right? The normal, the routine. Sending the kids to school, picking them up, eating dinner, going to bed, waking up and doing it again. And even in those moments... God still can use a text like this to encourage you. God, you're never leaving me alone. I might not feel you right now, but it doesn't mean you're not working. Even when I don't see you, you're working. Beautiful line from that song. And so my encouragement for you is to do something with this psalm. I really think it'd be awesome if, like, everybody in here decided to memorize it. I think that'd be super, super cool. I'm going to memorize it. I have some of it memorized. I'm going to commit to memorizing the whole thing because I think it's that powerful. But if you're like, ah, I've got bad memories of, like, Bible drilling, you know, when I was a kid or, or whatever, and you're just like, I, I, I just don't feel good about that. Like, do something else with it. Write it out, man. Put it on your, on your mirror in your bathroom. Lay it on your pillow every night. That'd be cool. So that every night, before you went to bed, you had to read it. And then in the morning, you put it back on your pillow. How cool would that be? I just made that up right now. If you're crafty, do something with it. Put it on your wall. I mean, I don't know. Put it. In do something with this psalm. Because it doesn't matter where you're at right now. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Like, this is such a great rhythm to help carry you through life. To help center your heart back where it's supposed to be. A plea to God, Lord, help me. Whatever it is I'm going through, I need you. Into a commitment, God, I don't feel you, I don't see you, but I'm still yours. To remembering, oh, that's right. God, God did do that. God was there for me then to confidence. You know what? I trust him. Yes, it might look bleak. Yes, my health might be failing. Yes, my job might end tomorrow, but I trust him. So here's what we're going to do. In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and we're going to continue with our worship service. But I, I want you to spend a minute to reflect on this. And so what, that, what I want that to look like for you is, I want you to do one of a couple of things. Either I would love it if you would just take that text and just, just read it, to yourself. If you have a Bible out, if you need to get your get your smartphone or whatever, like just read through that text. Let it soak into your bones for a moment. That's one thing. If not that, I would encourage you to take out the handout that you got when you came in and I would encourage you to start writing out. Maybe there's something you're going through and and just writing down, "Lord, I'm going through this hard time, but I commit myself to you and I'm confident because of what you've done in my life." Maybe Spending a moment writing would be helpful for you, would help you to see the power of God. We're going to have a timer for one minute, but I'd encourage you as the worship team plays to reflect, to think, to process, and to see what it is God's asking you to release to him in your life how it is that you can have confidence in him. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your word, for this fantastic psalm, Lord, that just teaches us so much about you, so much about the way that you want us to approach hard times, God, to have confidence in you that is fed by remembering, by commitment, and by a simple plea. Lord, I pray for my friends, and Lord, that you would, for all of us, just ingrain this text into our hearts and into our minds and into our lives that we might fully commit ourselves to you. We might have confidence when hard times come. We love you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.